This is Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. As time goes by, easily puts away Park Avenue at the top of the stretch and starts to extend. It's as time goes by, by four with an eighth to go, and that margin will keep increasing. Moonlight Doro moving into third, battling currently with Fee Fee Farrow. As time goes by, sheer class through the stretch, opening up, and a very easy bit of work for Flavian Pratt, who just had to hold on. They win by 10. Park Avenue, Moonlight Doro, Fee Fee Farrow. Now, here's Bobby Newman. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We've got live action from, well, a whole lot of places this afternoon. They're going to the gate for the second race at Santa Anita. They're getting ready to come onto the track for the finale at Aqueduct. We've got one more left at Golden Gate. We've got racing at Fairgrounds. Normally would have Oaklawn Park for you on a Friday, but they canceled weather all weekend due to poor weather conditions and uh, track conditions that's really probably frozen there in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So maybe if we have time, we may have some bonus action from Golden Gate Fields as well. But first things first, Santa Anita Park's second race on the card. They're at the gate. This is a two-turn mile on the main track. $62,500, the claiming tag for the four-year-olds and up. Field of five going to post here, four to five favorite number three. It's my house for Mark Glatt and Flavian Pratt. Fast and firm conditions at the great race place, 65 degrees, mostly cloudy skies uh, beneath the San Gabriel Mountains. Four to five on number three, It's My House. Nine to five on number four, Aram for Vladimir Sarin and Juan Hernandez. These high-priced claimers going in for the two-turn mile. Frank Miramati will have the call. And they're off. It's My House sent out for the lead. Midnight Mammoth up close in the opening stages. And Aram on the outside is pushed along for some early foot, too. Eastbound and Redline are together at the back of the field. It's My House makes a relatively easy lead. Opens up a length and a half on Aram second. Midnight Mammoth at the rail is pushed for more in third. Now about four lengths off the lead. Another two back to Redline on the outside of Eastbound. They swing on to the backstretch. It's my house. Controlling things on the front end. Aram second. Midnight Mammoth is guided to their outside and settles down nicely in third. It's another three back to red line fourth. And eastbound asked for more. Now ten lengths off them with a half mile to go. And it's my house. Leads by a length and a half. Aram set down trying to close the gap second. Three to Midnight Mammoth, third, followed by Redline, who's fourth, five off the lead. It's a distance to eastbound. They're approaching the quarter pole. It's My House and Aram. Midnight Mammoth, three off them while wide in third, and then Redline. Top of the lane, It's My House. Turns for home with a length and a half lead on Aram. Midnight Mammoth still trying hard, as is Redline getting involved just behind horses. And Redline dives down toward the rail, trying to run down. It's my house and Aram. Aram gets to It's My House. Aram takes the lead late. And it will be Aram to score by a half length. It's My House, Redline, Midnight Mammoth. 
Final time for the mile was 136 and 1. Unofficial order of finish, 4, 3, 5, 2. Favorites run 1, 2 in opposite order. Number 4, Aram, able to get by the actual favorite. Number 3, It's My House in the final yards and go on to victory for the team of Vladimir Sarin. And Juan Hernandez goes off the second choice in the wagering at 9 to 5. Blinkers added uh, this afternoon. It's not that RM had not worn blinkers in the past. He just didn't wear them in either of his last two starts. But most of his previous races, he did run with blinkers. Looks like they tried to uh, see if he would run better without him his last two. And a couple of back-to-back, a couple of rather fifth-place finishes back-to-back. So uh, they decided that was not the problem. Blinkers went back on, and he ran a much better race this afternoon. Favorite, It's My House, didn't really have much of an excuse. He had a clear lead at the top of the stretch, but maybe the mile was just asking a little too much. He had won a few times in a mile in the past, but recently he had been a sprinter and maybe stretching back out around two turns, found it just a little bit too long for his liking. Good effort nonetheless, but second best this afternoon to number four, Aram, now the unofficial winner of the second race at Santa Anita. They have moved up post times today at Aqueduct, so we weren't even sure we were going to be able to get you any races uh, from beneath the big A, but they are just coming onto the track now for the eighth and final race on the card. Originally, this race was supposed to go 4.16 Eastern time. Then they adjusted post times and moved it up to 3.59 p.m. Eastern time, so we didn't think we were going to get it at all, uh, but they're taking their time to go onto the track for this race. So the riders are up. And they're on the horses in the paddock enclosure, just kind of circling right now before they go onto the track. I don't know what they were waiting for that they delayed this race. I can tell you this. It's much better to be indoors than outdoors today if you're in Queens, New York. 29 degrees right now and cloudy skies. But they are racing and the track is fast. You can see snow everywhere. Uh, They're basically anywhere that you don't see the paddock or the main track, it's uh, pure white snow right there. Well, I shouldn't say pure white snow. They've had snow for a few days, but it did snow most of the morning, and it's actually snowed on and off this afternoon, and it was snowing as of five minutes ago when they were being saddled in the paddock. So maybe they were waiting for the snow to stop, and it looks like it has stopped at least temporarily, but it's cold in New York. And uh, this eighth race on the card is a one-turn mile on the main track for maiden four-year-olds and up in for a $20,000 tag scratch number one, Phantom Jewel, field of seven going to post. Uh, slight favorite at five to two right now is number two, Little Skippy for Horacio De Paz and Manny Franco. Uh, De Paz claimed this one away from Bruce Brown at this $20,000 level last time out. Don't know what happened to this horse last time out, but he was atrociously bad. He was a 7-2 to uh, shot in a similar race at Aqueduct, although that uh, back in November, uh, going six furlongs, and after being in contention for about a quarter of a mile, just completely threw out the anchor and finished eighth, beaten over 20 lengths that day, and then was claimed away for that $20,000 tag. So, boy, I- I'll tell you what, uh, as somebody who is – only very minorly bit involved in claiming horses. And when I say minorly, it's been at least 10 years since I was involved in that end of the game. Um, I don't know what I would feel like other than a little bit of trepidation if I plunked down some money and the horse that, you know, when, when you when you 
put the money down. Um, you know, and and, a, and and these are horses that are running for condi- some sort of condition claiming, not a wide open claimer like what we just saw at Santa Anita, but either a maiden race or a condition claiming race, a non two life, a non three life. You know what you're really hoping for. Well, the the best possible scenario most people would think would be you want them to run a huge race and get beat by a nose while finishing about 15 lengths clear of everyone else. So it looks like you made the claim of a century, and you can run them right back at that level, and they're going to be 3-5, to five and they'll very likely win next time out. And then my second choice would be, well, if you're not going to do that, just win by 20 lengths and make it look like I claimed the next superstar, and then I can either you know, run him or her at a higher level or possibly sell privately uh, right after that claim. But that's not what happened with Little Skippy last time. <laughs> Little Skippy got beat 21 lengths when he figured to have a big chance at odds of three and a half to one last time out. So my guess is uh, the owners of Little Skippy, the new owners, Flower Power Stable and Red Storm Stable, are anxiously awaiting the call from their trainer, Horacio De Paz, and saying that they figured out there was a little this, that, whatever. There was a reason that little Skippy ran so poorly last time out. Not to worry. We're going to run him back. We're going to get, you know, we just need to do this, this, this. He'll be fine, whatever. I don't know if that's how the conversation went, but that's how I would be hoping if I were the new owners of little Skippy that it went, yep, we find you know, something minor. You know, he, uh, the tongue tie came loose and he swallowed his tongue and he, uh, you know, he was gasping for breath. No problem. You know, we're going to give him a, a couple weeks off. We'll get him back. He'll be all set to go. Uh, no problem. We'll take care of it. Or, you know, a, a shoe came loose or something like that. Uh, we figured out the problem or he's just got a very minor bruise. We might need a week or so off, but that's it. Uh, we'll be good to go. Um, those of us who are betters, though, we don't know what happened last time out, at least most of us, unless we happen to know somebody who knows. Uh, so we're guessing with little Skippy, who is now actually second choice in the wagering at 5-2. to two. Uh, The four, Bell of the Ball, is also bet down to 5-2 to two and has a few more dollars on her right now. She is uh, trained by Linda Rice, who's also the owner, Jose Lescano aboard, coming off a third-place finish uh, at this maiden 20 level last time out uh, as a 4-5 to five favorite, stretching out to a mile for the first time, being by flatter out of a distorted humor mare. I wouldn't think that the extra distance would hurt her chances uh, in the least bit. So they have arrived at the starting gate for the eighth and final on a frigid Friday afternoon in Jamaica, Queens, and uh, getting ready to go in for what uh, turns out to be a bonus race on this Betting with Bobby episode this Friday afternoon. This race uh, was moved up, we thought, to 3.59 Eastern time, but because of some snow showers, they delayed it back to 4.10. And uh, that's good for us because we get live coverage of the race. Hopefully, things warm up not only in New York, but around the country. Boy, just awful weather conditions. You know, the Midwest has dealt with them. The the East Coast, obviously, the Mid-Atlantic. Here's the finale at Aqueduct. And they're off. Nice break for Little Skippy right out to the front. It's Little Skippy who's got early speed. No surrender is going to go right with this rival towards the outside growth. Mindset is in that early mix as well. Just in behind them, that's going to be A-Lister who's tucked into fourth. As they get set to move out of the chute, far outside is Noblest. That's the leading five. Further back in the field comes Bell of the Ball, and the early trailer is I Love Kara. 
They work out the backstretch now, and No Surrender has taken the lead. It's No Surrender, who's up by a neck. Little Skippy wants to apply pressure once again, and these two, a little pace duel here on the front end, 24.36 for the opening quarter mile. It's a gap of about four and a half, five lengths now to Nobilis out in the center of the racetrack is progressing. A Lister's at the rail and growth mindset from the back. Bell of the ball starts to move, has a seam, and Bell of the ball in the two path there is going to move right on through and take third. Jose Lescano and Bell of the ball, they're alone in third and Coming after the leaders now, the trailer is I Love Kara. 49.38 for the half-mile time. No Surrender is in front. Little Skippy continues to rally on here in the front tour. Still about five lengths clear. Stalling now was Bella the Ball. Made that big move, but now is dropping back. Nobilis is chasing from the back. I Love Kara's got some run. Going to be four wide in that second grouping with A-Lister and tailing off with growth mindset. But the front two continue to duke it out. No surrender. And Little Skippy, they still go at it here at the top of the stretch. To the inside, it's no surrender. To the outside, it's Little Skippy. Very tired front runners, but the rest have some ground to make up. Bell the Ball is trying to run on. I Love Kara is just grinding away, but I Love Kara's got two very tired pace setters in front. No surrender to the inside. Little Skippy to the outside. And here comes I Love Kara. I love Kara at 15 to 1. I love Kara wins the finale. I love Kara wins the finale over. No surrender. Then came Little Skippy in 1 minute 47 and 1. That's a fast racetrack, allegedly, at Aqueduct today. And you heard it right there from track announcer Chris Griffin. They went the mile in 147 and 1. I am not sure you're going to see that ever on a track that is allegedly listed as fast in your lifetime. 147-1 and one was all you needed to do to win the finale, going a mile at Aqueduct, and it was a long shot. Number three, I love Sarah with Giovanni Paredes aboard for Oscar Barrera III. I love Cara, uh, rather, coming off a seventh-place finish in his most recent start. Listen, he was closing... But it really was more that the other ones had nothing left. They got tired after going three quarters and one seventeen and two seven furlongs, one thirty one and four. Listen to that. The, the seven furlong split was one thirty one and four. The final time was one forty seven and one. So they went the final furlong and what is that? That's sixteen and one, which is not which is more than sixteen and one because the horses that were in front at seven furlongs were not there at the wire. It, it was more like about sixteen and three. The final quarter. That is a display of some tired horses in the late stages. We'll get you those prices uh, when they go official. little bonus coverage today from Golden Gate Fields. And Golden Gate, among uh, others in Northern California, in the news. We'll discuss that a little bit more. But we are going to cover some Golden Gate today on the program. And we don't get to see Golden Gate very much these days. And let's face it, we're not going to get to see Golden Gate very much at all, after about five months from now, they're set to close the early part of June. Um, but we've got today, and uh, it's 56 degrees with some showers in the area in Albany, California. They are on the synthetic main track for this first race, which is also a two-turn mile, a conditioned $5,000 claiming event uh, for four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of two races. Lifetime scratch number seven made the team, who was 9-5 to five on the morning line, uh, with him out, uh, betters settling in on number one. You kidding me for Ruby Thomas and Irving Orozco. Uh, this one claimed away uh, from another trainer for $5,000 
out of his most recent start. Ruby Thomas uh, winning at about a 15% clip uh, over the last year or so. And uh, you kidding me, looking to get back to his winning ways. He's won two of his last three, and as I mentioned, the only one he lost was last time out. When he ran a good third, he closed from well back to finish only about a length and a half behind at odds of 9-5. to five. You get the inside post today. Quick look, see if there's any speed in the race. It should be a moderate pace. I wouldn't think it's going to be a breakneck uh, pace, but uh, maybe enough speed for you kidding me to get the job done. We will see. I don't know if 3-5 to five is an acceptable price. Uh, considering Flightline was 3-5, to five, I think, in the Breeders' Cup Classic, would you have rather had Flightline in the Breeders' Cup Classic or you kidding me at 3-5 to five in the Conditioned 5 Claimer? Interesting. By the way, uh, the reason that you kidding me qualifies for this race, even though he's a three-time winner, is uh, one of his wins uh, was for a $4,000 claiming price, and that does not count against the eligibility here. It's uh, It says maiden claiming and starter races for 4000 or less not considered an eligibility. So one of you kidding me's two wins in his last three starts came at the condition $4,000 level, which basically uh, works out to be a non-effort as eligibility eligibility goes for this first at Golden Gate. After this race, we'll head over to Gulfstream. They're getting close to post time for their finale. But here's Bill Downs at Golden Gate with the opener. Nuestro Engreido Fractious. They're off and running at Golden Gate Field. Slow start for regulation dazed. It's Warren's World and Duplication. These two accelerate out for the front end. Straight of Georgia is on the outside in third. Nuestro Engreido is towards the inside in fourth and three lengths back to you kidding me in second last. And after that slow start, Regulation Dazed is at the back. Six furlongs to go, and it's Duplication who's on the front end, has a lead by a little over a length. Warren's World, Nuestro Engreido in tandem, second and third. It's Straight of Georgia, wide up the back stretch in fourth, then three lengths back to You Kidding Me, the seven to five favorite in fifth, and then six lengths back to Regulation Dazed who trails the field. They run to the half mile pole. Duplication on top by a length. Over Nuestro and Greida, Warren's World is in between horses. Straight of Georgia in the four path and a length and a half off the lead. Then four lengths back to you kidding me, who's about four in front of Regulation Days. Less than three furlongs to go in this race. Duplication leads by three parts of a length over Nuestro and Greido. Nicolapon in second. Warren's World three wide third. Straight of Georgia deep on the course in fourth. You kidding me is in fifth and four lengths off the lead. And Regulation Days trails the field as they turn into the stretch. It's Duplication is homeward bound. Has the lead by a couple lengths. Warren's World in the green shadow roll now challenging. And Warren's World is drawing alongside Duplication. Nuestro Engrieto, you kidding me, splitting horses, and you kidding me in a blink of an eye, goes from about fifth to the lead and will visit the winner's circle. Straight of Georgia rallies for second, then it was Warren's World and Nuestro Engrieto. Unofficially 1-6-3 in the opener at Golden Gate. Number one, you kidding me, goes drifts up at post time, was 3-5 to five as they were going into the gate. 
Somehow you get 7-5 to five on this gelded son of many rivers, and he gets his third win from his last four starts, coming from off the pace to win by just about a length, covering the mile in 140 and 1. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Over to Gulfstream Park, ninth and final on their card, 74 degrees here in South Florida, on and off showers all afternoon. Nothing uh, too serious, but doesn't affect this ninth race, which was scheduled for the synthetic all-weather surface. Ninth race on the card, distance of a mile and a 16th. Maiden claiming event for three-year-old fillies in for a tag of $25,000. Field of nine going to the gate. Couple of seven to two shots vying for favoritism right now. Number three, Cap Horn. And number seven, Miss Mutz. Miss Mutz is a first-time starter for Kelly Breen, who wins with about 16% of his first-time starters. Paco Lopez is always one of the leading riders down there in, down here in South Florida. Rather, uh, is aboard Miss Mutz, who was, uh, well, uh, by Yoshida out of a Cantheros mare. Uh, doesn't, to me, sound like breeding to win going long first time out, but uh, the public obviously thinks that they know something here. Miss Mutz has actually been training on the turf in each of her last five morning uh, listed works, uh, all up at the Palm Meadows Training Center, which is up in Boynton Beach, maybe about 45 minutes away from Gulfstream Park. So uh, the those that think they know, think they know as far as number seven, Miss Mutz. The three Caphorn on the other hand, on the other hand, has already raced once. It was sprinting on the turf at Gulfstream, and uh, she wasn't very good that day. She was 22 to one, and got beat 15 lengths. All right, I don't get it. Why is she three to one here? And if she is, th- if she wins, are you happy with three to one? I don't think I want it. Eight to one on the morning nine. That sounds a little bit more like it. Three to one sounds like I'm getting undervalue here. Or basically no value. Not interested. I don't like this race. This race, uh, this race, no for me. I can, uh, I can wait for others. Last few runners going in for the ninth and final at Gulfstream Park. We're about eight days away from one of their big days on the, on the calendar. Pegasus World Cup Day is a week from tomorrow. They'll have seven graded stakes on that Saturday, the 27th card. Here's the finale at Gulfstream, Pete Aiello. Runners away. Cap Horn was away quickly with Oro Oro along the rail. Up on the outside, it's Miss Mutz moving over. Three across the course early from Madanina, who comes away in fourth. Down the outside, it's Mexican Sugar in early fifth. And back to My Blessing. Long shot, good magic woman floats a bit wide on the turn while third last. Uptown Cat is second last. The early trailer is Melody's Kiss. Edgar Zayas and Cap Horn with the lead by a length and a half. Miss Mutz is second. Oro Oro is now racing in third. Tugging up on the outside, Good Magic Woman, together with Mexican Sugar, then Madanina, who's racing in the two-path about three and a half lengths off the speed. My Blessing is next, ahead of Uptown Cat. Still at the back is Melody's Kiss. Field separated by about six in the run past the opening quarter. The quarter was 23-4. and four. Cap Horn has the lead by a length. Miss Mutz is second. Up on the outside, Good Magic Woman with the sustained mid-race move. She's up into third now. At the rail, that's Oro Oro, then Madonina and Mexican Sugar. My blessings in the red cap on the far outside. Luis Ayas and Melody's Kiss begin to get underway. They're out of last. Now the trailer is Uptown Cat. They round the far turn at the 5-16th. Cap Horn has the lead. Miss Mutz in attack mode. Four wide. My blessings on a roll now. Three wide and good magic woman. Oro Oro held up for a run. 
Angling for Racing Room, Mexican Sugar, wide and not kicking in, Melody's Kiss. Three quarters, 114 and two, Cap Horn has given way. My Blessing sweeping up on the outside to take the lead. Back to second is Miss Mutz, off cover, Oro Oro. Eighth of a mile out, Oro Oro has two and a half to make up on My Blessing. Oro Oro, gaining good ground. Here comes Oro Oro in time under Javier Castellano. Second, my blessing, they pulled well clear of Mexican Sugar, who was third. Fourth was Melody's Kiss at 144 and two. Unofficially won 5-6 in the finale at Gulfstream Park. Number one, Oro Oro, who was 20 to one on Pete Aiello's morning line. Bet in half down to 10 to one and gets the job done this afternoon for the team of Matt Williams. Not the guy who used to play baseball. And jockey Javier Castellano. I shouldn't say that. Maybe Matt Williams, the trainer, did used to play baseball. But he's not the one I'm talking about uh, who was good for many years, especially with the San Francisco Cardinals. Uh, nonetheless, Oro Oro making uh, her second start a winning one. She gets the job done in the ninth and final over at uh, Gulfstream Park. We'll get you those prices uh, in a little bit. Speaking of prices, let's get some out right now. In fact, we're going to start over at aqueduct no we'll start at Santa Anita where the second race on the card uh, went to the second choice number four Aram seven-year-old bay horse by Union Rags out of the smart strike mare Sanaya owned by Holly and David Wilson trained by Vladimir Serin Juan Hernandez the rider Aram 580 280 240 second three it's my house 220 210 Third, five, Red Line, 240 to show. Fourth, number two, Midnight Mammoth, the exact at 1120, the try $30.60. Uh, there was no superfecta wagering in that race. Over at Aqueduct, the eighth and final on the card, won by number three, I Love Kara, four year old Bay Colt by Quality Road out of the Indian Charlie Mare. Uh, Last of the Mohicans, owned by Galliano Stables and trained by Oscar Barrera III, Giovanni Paredes, the winning rider. On I Love Kara, who paid 3280, 1140, and 620. Second six, no surrender, 460, 320. Third two, little skippy, 320 to show. Fourth number four, Bell of the Ball, exact of $166, the try $209.25. And the dollar super, $1,343. By the way, if the carryover into tomorrow's pick six at the Big A. Over at Golden Gate, first race on their card went to the favorite, number one, you kidding me? Five-year-old Bay Gelding by Many Rivers out of the rock-hard 10-mare Crazy Smart, owned by Madden Racing and trained by Ruby Thomas. Irving Orozco, the winning rider on you kidding me, who paid 480-320-210. Second six straight of Georgia, 420 Third three, Warren's World, 320 to show. Fourth number two, Nuestro Engreido. How about that? The Exacta paid 1480, the Tri 1225, the Dollar Super, $54.10. Over at Fairgrounds, they are getting close to post time for the sixth race on the card. Running a little bit behind schedule at Fairgrounds today. They're about 15 minutes behind what they. Uh, originally put out for their schedule. But the good news is when the changes came out this morning, they listed the main track good and the turf course good, and they're both upgraded. Fast main track, firm turf course for the sixth race and are on the main track for this race. Two-turn mile for uh, maiden three-year-old fillies. We've got a field of eight. 
coming together here. Number two, Lady Aberdeen is the 5-2 favorite on the board right now for the team of Brendan Walsh and Florent Giroux. Tried six furlongs in her debut last time out. Did not get much action at the windows, but ran a very good third, only beaten some three lengths that day. I'm not really sure if she's bred to be better long than she is short. I would think, being by midshipman out of a Lionheart mare, sprinting might be a little bit preferred to routing. But, of course, uh, there is no hardened rule for this. And, uh, you know, I mean, you just never know. We, the, breeding is obviously a major player when it comes to uh, horse racing, but it's not the end-all, be-all. If it were, horses like John Henry would never have been John Henry because he was bred to be a cockroach, and he was obviously far from that. Um, and then you have horses, you know, that – uh, were fantastic, you know, sprinters on the dirt that maybe they, they, uh, their progeny is better going long on the grass. You just never know. I tend to think of midshipmen's out of Lionheart mares as more sprinty types, um, but obviously I am not around Lady Aberdeen, and I would guess Brendan Walsh and his team have a lot better idea of what they're doing with this filly than I do. Uh, and right now the betters have decided that Lady Aberdeen is where they want to be, and they have bet her down to favoritism as they arrive at the starting gate for this sixth race at the fairgrounds. Last one to go in is number eight, Sweet Charlize. We'll hand it to John Dooley for the rest of the load and the call. They're in the gate. They're off. Racing one mile, tempting Lady, Lady Aberdeen. There's the newcomer, Bagel and Deli. With on the outside, Sweet Charlize with a white cap and Splashmaster as they enter the first turn. It's Tempting Lady. Tempting Lady to the lead for Jaime Torres in front of Lady Aberdeen, who chases the pace. Bagel and Deli open for business and running in third with six furlongs to go from the first line. Then Splashmaster and wide is Sweet Charlize. Galladini up the inside from Flathead Finale and Sterling Luck is racing in between fillies. The first two of eight furlongs in a flat 24 seconds, making this backstretch run, aiming for Tempting Lady. So Tempting Lady has come clear here for the run to the half-mile pole by Four to five from Lady Aberdeen. A break or two to Splashmaster. Bagel and Deli running in fourth. Galladini's fifth. Then Sterling Luck looks to move up between horses with the navy silks and cap. Sweet Charlize has raced wide, and Flathead Finelli has dropped back to last. It's Tempting Lady. Half mile in 47.80 seconds. They round the far turn. They stole the track down. Tempting Lady. It's Tempting Lady who continues out in front. With Florent Giroux, Lady Aberdeen remains in second position. Splashmaster and Marcelino Pedroza Jr now making a bid as these maiden three-year-old fillies straighten for the short stretch. And here comes Splashmaster, who moves up boldly between horses. Here's the inside, Tempting Lady. And on the outside, Lady Aberdeen. Then Sterling Luck, three quarters in one minute, 13.40 seconds. Here comes Splashmaster. Splashmaster charging after Tempting Lady. And they go shoulder to shoulder. Tempting Lady and Splashmaster just as gained the upper hand. It's Splashmaster. Splashmaster at second asking. Splashmaster has won it from Tempting Lady. Sterling Buck third and Lady Aberdeen finish fourth. Unofficially six one five two in the sixth race at Fairgrounds. Second time starter Splashmaster for the team of Greg Foley and Marcelino Pedroza Jr. getting the job done. Ran sixth sprinting at Churchill 
in her career debut late in her two-year-old year, gets Lasix for the first time today, stretches out for the first time today, and switches down to the fairgrounds, put it all together, and it's a winning effort for this daughter of mastery who uh, covers the mile in 140 and one, not going to break any land speed records, but good enough to get the job done in the sixth race over at fairgrounds and goes off at a nice price of eight to one. We'll get you those prices uh, in just a little bit. Over to Santa Anita, third race on the card. They're approaching the post for this race. And uh, race number three is seven furlongs on the main track. It's a maiden special weight event for four and five-year-olds who are all Calbreds springing the seven furlong distance. Field of five going to post here. Number four, City of Angels which, of course, is a nickname for Los Angeles, Los Angeles, uh, is the favorite at even money on the board. Mike Pipey trains. Armando Ayuso is the rider. City of Angels tried open company at Los Alamitos in his most recent start. So normally, I would say that going from open company to state-bred competition would be a big drop in class, except going from Los Al to Santa Anita is a giant raise in class normally. The racing at Los Alamitos simply put is far below what you see at Santa Anita and Del Mar. Uh, so I don't really know what that means. I'm going to call it a wash as far as City of Angels the the class difference between the last race and what he's going to see today. I can tell you this. He's run at this state-bred level in the past and he's run some good races and some bad races. He's not the most consistent runner in the world but speed figure wise a repeat of his last race certainly makes him the one to beat in this spot um it's just hard to it's hard to take even money on a horse at Santa Anita who was 24 to 1 at Los Alamitos in his most recent start so the public most of the public basically didn't think he had a chance to win at Los Al and now you know what what is uh, 4 weeks later 5 weeks later at Santa Anita even money, that's where we want. That's not for me. He can win. He certainly looks like one of the ones who can win. Even money is not what I'm looking for in this spot. You got a couple of two-to-one shots in the race as well. Number one, Sand to Sea. Number two, Ship and Scam. Ship and Scam was just terrible against uh, Open Company Maiden Special Weight Competition at Delmar in his most recent start. His previous tries against state-bred competition were much better and uh, he's been gelded since his last race, so I would expect a decent effort from Ship and Scam, who unfortunately is 0 for 14 coming into this race today. Number one, Sand to Sea has raced five times in his life, uh, two dirt, three turf, and he's hit the board in all five starts, uh, including going a two-turn mile at Del Mar. He seems very logical. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that he's not the favorite in the race just because of his consistency, but I guess that big speed figure uh, sticks out like a sore thumb for what people see for number four, City of Angels, last time out. Uh, we are going to find out shortly as they are arriving at the starting gate for the third race on the card out at Santa Anita. They got some nice stakes at Santa Anita this weekend and uh, thankfully don't have nearly the kind of weather concerns that, boy, it seems like uh, half of the country has, certainly the Midwest and I mean, even in the south, they're getting really cold temperatures, and obviously we saw it on the east coast today, and several tracks canceling, and even Laurel canceled today. The mid-Atlantic region is just a nightmare as far as cold, wintry weather and dangerous weather, uh, sometimes days and, 
you know, in some parts of the country, it seems like for the last week, week and a half or so. But Santa Anita, it's beautiful right now, and they've got the La Cañada and the Astra this Saturday and Sunday. By the way, Bob Nastanovich and I are going to talk about both of those races as part of our Am Wager Weekend Stakes preview tonight. Here's Frank Miramati with the third. Rough, clean start. Sand to sea is very quick. So is City of Angels. And these two hook up. Three lengths in front of Topper's Wager, the gray between rivals. Then Ship and Scam and Hot Legs Romolo at the back. It's Sand to Sea just in front. City of Angels, a half length back, now within a head, as these two pass the 5 8 pole together. Hot Legs Romolo gets closer on the far outside. Topper's Wager and ship and scam. They have a half mile left to run, and it's sand to sea leading the way. City of Angels pressing in second, and these two are starting to separate themselves as ship and scam moves through inside Topper's Wager, Hot Legs Romolo on the outside. At the 5 sixteenths, very compact group, City of Angels puts his head in front. Sand to see, sticking to him second. Behind them, Ship and Scam will angle out for the drive. Three sixteenths to go. Sand to see, holding firm. City of Angels right to him. City of Angels, Sand to see. Ship and Scam within two lengths and closing nicely late. City of Angels or Ship and Scam. City of Angels, Ship and Scam set down and runs him down under Mario Gutierrez. City of Angels second. Sand to see was third. Final time for the seven furlongs, 123 and three. Order of finish, 2 4 1 3 in the third race at Santa Anita. The 0 for 14 maiden ship and scam. Gelded since his last start back in against state bred competition. Ready to go off the layoff for the trainer, Doug O'Neill. And he gets uh, the job done in start number 15. Goes off the second choice in the wagering at 2 to 1. All right, uh, before we go to break, as we open the show, we heard the stretch run of the 2022 edition of the La Cañada, a grade three event. This was a grade one event way back when uh, throughout the 1980s. And I, I think basically uh, for the entire uh, decade of the 1980s, some really good fillies and mares have gotten to the winner's circle in the La Cañada. And this year's La Cañada takes place tomorrow uh, out at San Anita. But, uh, you know, Really good fillies and mares like Jewel Princess won the race. Goodbye Halo. Lady Secret was as good as it gets. Uh, I think I think Chris Everett won the first ever one back in the mid-70s. And I also think uh, the ill-fated Sweet Diane won the race in 1984. Sweet Diane, you may not be familiar with her. Uh, she was a filly who was involved in a, a horrific uh, a spill with a, a gray filly or a roan filly named High Haven um, in the Santa Ana handicap at Santa Anita in 1984. But uh, prior to that, she had been a win machine, and I think she won the La Cañada early uh, in that year in 1984. Um, but, yeah, sweet. Uh, that, I, I, I still remember being there and seeing that. That was just awful with her and High Haven if uh, – those of you who were alive and remember that race, you'll probably never forget it. Uh, but Sweet Diane w was a good one and uh, unfortunately um, had a really awful incident in the Santa Ana later that year. Uh, nonetheless, this year's La Cañada takes place tomorrow. As far as, as time goes by goes, 
She was obviously a very nice filly for Bob Baffert and uh, overall won seven of her 14 starts. Made just under a million dollars in her career. Uh, closed out her career actually right after the La Cunata with a win in the Beholder Mile uh, in March a couple of years ago. Uh, so went out on a winning note and um, I think Bob Baffert's going to have a say in this year's edition of the La Cunata as well. All right, uh, we are going to take a break. Our first break of the show, believe it or not. When we come back, we'll get you paid at both Fairgrounds and at Golden Gate. Uh, we've got uh, about uh, eight or nine minutes to post for the second. Or I'm sorry, we'll get you paid at Fairgrounds in Santa Anita. We're about eight minutes away from the second race at Golden Gate. More Santa Anita and Fairgrounds to come. More previews of this weekend's races to come. And some news as well. Betting with Bobby on HRRN. Kids, they're just different than us. They have no inhibitions, consider silverware optional, and can find fun anywhere. And when kids get really sick, they're different than us too. Until now, children diagnosed with blood cancer have been treated like many adults. Not anymore. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society proudly introduces the Dare to Dream Project, transforming treatment and care through advocacy, education, and the largest global clinical trial for kids with blood cancer. For the first time, a specific treatment can be matched to a specific type of cancer in a specific child. It'll be the biggest medical advancement for little patients in history. Dare to dream with us. Support the Dare to Dream Project and all the work that the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society does at LLS.org. Thinking about retirement? Make sure a My Social Security account is a part of your plan. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can find out if you're eligible to receive benefits, compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates, view spousal benefit estimates, and more. Plan for your future. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. At Shriners Hospitals for Children, there are a million reasons to share love. My buddy Caleb is one of them. This is his story. Hi, I'm Caleb, and this is my story. I was born with osteogenesis imperfecta, or riddle bone disease. I have broken my bones almost 200 times, and I have had 11 surgeries. But I didn't let that stop me. I love to bike ride, climb, race, and I'm learning how to stand and walk. Well, I can only do all of this because of generous people like you and Shriners Hospitals for Children. There are a million reasons to share love, but you only need one. Caleb is one reason. To learn how you can share love, visit loveshriners.org. Thank you. Thursday evenings, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, is the brisnet.com call-in show. It's your chance to call in and let the Horse Racing Radio Nation know what's on your mind. Call us at 888-966-HRRN. That's 888-966-4776. And discuss the topics you choose in the world of thoroughbred racing. The brisnet.com call-in show. Sirius 162, XM207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. 
You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. But hard spun. Digs in in front of Tuplesburg. Izzy's halo being driven in third. Tony terrific. Make it happen. Captain is dropped back. Made a capo. And City Smoke is last into the stretch. Hard spun six furlongs, 111 flat. So now this is the final furlong. Mario Pino and undefeated hard spun in front by five from Tuplesburg. Izzy Zalo, Tony Terrific on the stand side, then Beta Capo. Make it happen, Captain. Well and back of this three year old hard spun. Hard spun, four for four. And he wins going away in the La Cop from Izzy Zalo. Tuplesburg third. That's John Dooley on the call back in 2007. Hard spun getting the job done in the Lecompte. This year's Lecompte part of a six-stake extravaganza tomorrow at the fairgrounds. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. I'm Bobby Newman here with every Friday afternoon with you from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time as we lead into our Amwager weekend stakes preview where Bob Nastanovich will join me once again, to uh, go over a dozen races from around the country, including all six of those big stakes tomorrow at Fairgrounds. Two of the six are graded stakes, Grade 3 LeCompte, Grade 3 Louisiana. And the LeCompte, of course, is a points qualifier on the road to this year's Kentucky Derby. And the points going up, uh, 20 points available to the winner, assuming he or she is eligible. And uh, Bob Baffert doesn't have any in the LeCompte. He doesn't run a whole lot of horses down at the fair well obviously he's not running any horses at the fairgrounds right now because they're a churchill downs own property but uh even when he was allowed to run horses at cdi tracks he didn't run a lot of horses down at the fairgrounds and his good three-year-olds that was not you know that obviously california is option number one for the baffert three-year-olds or was option number one and and it seemed like oaklawn park was kind of option if not 1A, certainly option number two. And then after that, you just never knew. I mean, every now and then he'd send a horse to New York, but certainly not one of his better ones. Every now and then he might even send one to Sunland Park uh, to run. But uh, as far as Louisiana goes, he never really utilized uh, these preps as major ones. But uh, somebody is going to get the job done in the LeCompte tomorrow and get those very valuable 20 Kentucky Derby qualifying points. Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers, both new and current, with select trade-in and select 5G unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings and the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. I know we owe you some prices at both Santa Anita and Fairgrounds, uh, but before we get those out, we need to get up to Golden Gate for the second race on their card. Five furlongs on the synthetic main track. These are maiden fillies and mares. In for the bottom, $5,000 the tag. Six were entered, two were scratched. My math says we're down to four. Not very exciting. But somebody's going to win it. They always do. That's what the late, great Manny Tortora told me one time in the paddock at Calder. He said, don't, Bobby, just remember, somebody's going to win it. They always do. And that's the way I'm kind of looking at this second race at, at uh, Golden Gate. Even money on number three, Sahara Sioux, who is 0 for 6 coming into this race. 
uh, but has really been knocking on the door. Last four starts have been uh, in Northern California at this maiden $5,000 level. Uh, two seconds, a third, and a fourth, and never more than a length and a half behind in any of those races. Boy, this looks like, well, aside from the fact that she's just not that fast, this looks like a tough filly to ride. Each of her last three starts, she's stalked the pace, pressed the pace, and gone from either second or third in the first and second calls to in front at the top of the stretch only to lose in each of those three. So she gets to the lead, and I don't, I can't tell if, you know, she stops running or she's just got a very short kick and needs to be timed correctly, but uh, she's been ridden by several different riders of late, and each one of them has ridden her the same way, and they probably, at you know, thinking they're moving to the lead and she's going to kick on with it, and she just doesn't. And sometimes she doesn't even hold on for seconds, so... I don't know when you need to push the button, as they say, on Sahara Sioux, but uh, they, she may have a very, very short spurt. And I don't know if four to five is the number I want on a filly who uh, I, I'm not I, – I can't tell if she's just got a short spurt or she does not like being in front. If she doesn't like being in front, I want four to five on her ever. If she's got a short spurt, if it's timed right, she still could get the job done. Second choice in the wagering is number one, Lady of the River. She's shortening up from a mile last time out where she made the lead and just completely pitched a 10 at the, around the turn and down the stretch. Uh, five furlongs today seems like a better option for this daughter of many rivers who uh, had sprinted twice prior to that one-mile effort. Uh, they were okay, not great efforts, uh, but she just showed in the sprints that she can run on well even if she doesn't make the lead. I'm intrigued to see who's going to make the front in this spot. Will it be the favorite Sahara Sioux? Or maybe they let Lady of the River go and just set a very slow pace. Pretty intriguing race for a field of four. A lot of uh, glass half-empty questions, if you will. But uh, we will find out. Bill Downs has the call. Race two, Golden Gate. And they're off. It's Sahara Sue who's edging out for the front end. Lady of the River counter punches up the inside. Divine Passage in between those two and only a half length off the lead. Then about uh, six lengths to the trailer and that is Little Mischievous. Three of the four vying for the lead as they make the entry into the turn. It's Divine Passage Green Cap with a slender lead. Sahara Sue ranging up three wide. Lady of the River gets shuffled in third a length off the lead. Then about seven lengths a Little Mischievous who's at the back of the pack. As they wind their way to the quarter pole, Sahara Sioux and Divine Passage kick on with it. It's Lady of the River all in in third, and then Little Mischievous has trailed throughout. They got three sixteenths to go, and Sahara Sioux opens up. Sahara Sioux has lead by a widening four lengths over Divine Passage. A little bit of a rally from Little Mischievous on the outside, but many lengths off the leader, and that leader is Sahara Sioux. Sahara Sioux, the four to five favorite, scores by a big distance. Divine Passage second little mischievous third pretty quick final time two fifty-eight and four for these bottom level maidens three two four one the unofficial order of finish and sahara sue does in fact get the job done at odds of four to five boy uh looked like everyone in the jocks room saw the same thing they weren't sure who was going to make the lead so they almost all decide to go and uh, they battled three across the track down the back stretch 
And it was Sahara Sue on the outside of the other two who was uh, the strongest around the turn and down the lane. She ends up winning by about six lengths in getting her maiden win in start number seven. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Uh, speaking of prices, we owe you prices at both Fairgrounds and Santa Anita. So we'll start out at the Fairgrounds where the sixth race on the card was won by number six, Splash Master, a three-year-old Bay Philly by Mastery out of the tail of the Catmare Sea Road, owned by Saints or Sinners, Speechel Racing and others, Greg Foley trained, Marcelino Pedroza, the winning rider, on number six, Splash Master, who paid $19,760 and $520. Second one, Tempting Lady, $360, $260. Third, five, Sterling Luck, 440 to show. Fourth, number two, Lady Aberdeen, the exact $87. The try, $166.45. Dollar Super, $1,002 even. Over at Santa Anita, results for race three have been posted official for a few minutes. The winner, two, Ship and Scam. Fifteenth time the charm for this four-year-old chestnut gelding by Mirazek out of the Mineshaft Mare, albeit owned by Redham Racing, trained by Doug O'Neill, Mario Gutierrez, the winning rider on Ship and Scam, who paid $680, and $210. Second four, City of Angels, $260, uh, rather $260 and $210. Third one, Sand to Sea, $210 to show. Fourth number three, Topper's Wager, the exacta $1240, the trifecta $2680, uh, no superfecta wagering in that race. Taking a look at fairgrounds right now, they're about six minutes away from the seventh race on the card. Horses just coming onto the track now, so we've got a few minutes before we get to that race. As we came out of our last break, we heard the stretch run of the 2007 edition of the Grade 3 LeCompte, won by the Ultra Game Hard Spun. It was trained by Larry Jones and ridden to victory by Mario Pino. Uh, Hard Spun himself was a horse who... uh, it's really hard to say whether he was a better racehorse or a better stallion because he's been fantastic at both. Um, He started off his career with four straight wins, the the fourth being that first ever graded stake victory in the LeCompte. He would go on to uh, win, I believe, three other graded stakes in his career. He won the Lane's End at Turfway. He won the King's Bishop, his own lone grade one win at Saratoga during his career. his three-year-old campaign. I think he also won the Kentucky Cup Classic, uh, which was a grade two event at Turfway in 2007. He also ran second in the Breeders' Cup Classic that year, the one time the Breeders' Cup was held at Monmouth Park. Uh, This year's edition of the Lecompte takes place tomorrow out at Fairgrounds. The Lecompte is a race that's been around since the early 1940s. And um, been some pretty nice horses that have won the race over the years. Tenacious won the race three years in a row. And, of course, there's a race named in Tenacious's honor, say that five times fast, uh, that was run earlier in the meet at Fairgrounds. Um, Hard Spun, it's hard to say if there are horses better than Hard Spun that have won the LeCompte. Um, I can tell you this. No horses that won the LeCompte have gone on to win the Kentucky Derby. Um... I, I, there have been two horses that have won the LeCompte that have gone on to win the Preakness. War of Will did it just a few years ago, and Oxbow did it, I think, in 2013. Um, Midnight Bourbon obviously was a very, very game horse who always showed up. Didn't always win, but seemed like he was always in or around the money. He won the race a couple of years ago. Uh, 
Frisian Fire was a nice horse, speaking to Larry Jones. Ron the Greek was a nice horse for Tom Amos, I believe. There was a horse, boy, this is a morbid thing, that I, I be, between Sweet Diane and High Haven and this, there was a horse named Ancalor that won the race in the mid-'80s. Um, and Ancalor uh, I, is another horse that I'm almost positive I was at Santa Anita on a day that he got uh, – catastrophically injured and i want to say that terry lippum was the rider i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure I, why would that stick out in my how would i just out of nowhere remember a horse that got hurt that terry lippum rode but for some reason when i see the name on that that comes to mind which um kind of stinks i think in the 80, I think there was a horse named Pastorells that won the race that beat Risen Star, actually, in the LeCompte. And then, of course, the Risen Star went on to be a really, really nice uh, three-year-old in his own right and was, a, uh, a, of course, a, a monster in both the Preakness and the Belmont Stakes this year, but uh, that year. But uh, I think Pastorells was the name of the horse that beat him in the LeCompte back in 1988. Uh, this year's LeCompte, who knows? If this will be the year, the first time ever that a LeCompte winner goes on to win the Kentucky Derby. What we do know is that the LeCompte winner will get 20 points in addition to whatever purse money he wins uh, for getting the job done tomorrow afternoon. Where does 20 points land you as far as the Kentucky Derby? Not good enough to get you into the starting gate. Uh, We're almost sure of that. But get you to the point where... Let's just hypothetically stay, say that uh, whoever wins the LeCompte tomorrow stays in the, on the Louisiana Trail toward the Kentucky Derby. It doesn't work out always that way, but let's just hypothetically say that happens. If you win the LeCompte tomorrow and you get 20 points, and assuming you've had no other points thus far, but if you get 20 points, all you really need is you know, a, maybe a, a second-place finish, in the Risen Star, maybe even a third-place finish in the Risen Star uh, to get you into the Derby. Certainly uh, a win or a second in the Risen Star or the Louisiana Derby 100% would would qualify you to get into the Kentucky Derby, but even maybe a third-place finish in the Louisiana Derby, enough to do it. I, we, we know what the, the cutoff numbers have been over the last few years, but the points system keeps changing for the Kentucky Derby. So we can't just go back and say, oh, you need basically 25 points, or you, you need 32 points to guarantee yourself of game. We don't know. We, we just don't know. And um, I was going to make a funny joke. We don't know who Churchill Downs is going to disallow from being on the grounds between now and then either. But uh, no, in all seriousness, um, a win in tomorrow's LeCompte. Uh, makes the road a whole lot easier as far as planning. If if you're planning, uh, to, if your goal is to get to the first Saturday in May, a win in tomorrow's LeCompte doesn't get you there automatically, but it makes your decision-making a whole lot easier, a lot more options. You run, you know, out of the, out of the top two or three, and basically where you're getting zero or very few points tomorrow in the LeCompte, you're going to have to do some, some real good work over the next few months to get to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, over at Fairgrounds, 
in the here and now. They're on the turf for the upcoming seventh race. Distance here is five and a half furlongs. It's an optional claiming allowance event for three-year-olds, non-winners of two races lifetime, or in for a claiming price of $100,000. And actually, most of the field is in for that optional $100,000 claiming tag. Uh, scratch number one, Gone Elvis. We've got a field of seven going to post. Nine to five favorite is number two, Aspenite, for Steve Asmussen and Corey Lannery. Aspenite has five starts in his career, three turf and two dirt, and the two dirt starts were races that were supposed to be on the turf and moved over to the main tracks, coming off a nice third-place finish against very similar competition last time out at Fairgrounds. He was the two-to-one favorite that day, ended up third. Horse who was second in the race, Classic Power, was 46-to-1 that day. He is also in this race today, but a much lower price uh, for the team of Jade Geldner and Deshaun Parker and Classic Parker, Classic Power rather going in with the Norman Stables yellow and red triangles silks uh, aboard Deshaun Parker's back. Last few runners, Summertime Peppers and C.J. McMahon, one from the outside. Prodigy Paradise, Brian Hernandez Jr. will complete the line. We'll hand it off to John Dooley for the seventh at Fairgrounds. All in line. We're off and sprinting. That looked to be Prodigy Paradise, who stumbled coming out to the gate. Cows broke sharp along with Classic Power in the red cap. And Summertime Peppers coming with an early push as they make this dash to the half-mile pole. Nearest the inside, it's Cows, who just leans a close-up. Classic Power, and right there on the outside is Summertime Peppers. Aspenite with the white cap now through into fourth. Between horses, Gabara's fifth. Then Prodigy Paradise, and out deeper on the course is Scatfree, who's launching a bid. Prodigy Paradise gets shuffled back to last. The quarter, 21.98 seconds. These Leaders coming toward the quarter pole with David Cohen. It's Cows. Cows in front of Classic Power as these three rolls turn for home. Past the quarter pole, and Aspenite looks to rally with the rail. It's Cows with Classic Power. Aspenite toward the inside, and Gabara has the black cap. They're in the final furlong and a half. Then Summertime Peppers with Scat Free, and finally Prodigy Paradise. They come down toward the final half furlong. It's Aspenite. Aspenite has powered up the inside for Corey Lannery with on the outside Classic Power. Cows is now third, and then Gabara... Deeper out into the course, it's Aspenite who conquered by three. Classic Power was second, Gabara third, and Cows finished fourth. Unofficially 2-4 and a show photo between numbers five and three. Number two, Aspenite, the 3-2 to two favorite at post time, beats the second choice Classic Power. They uh, switch roles, uh, switch positions as it were last time out. Last time Classic Power finishing in front of Aspenite, but Aspenite turns the tables on his rival this afternoon and breaks through with his first ever win in his sixth career start, 3-2. to two. The odds at post time for number two, Aspenite. John Dooley almost never makes a mistake when he's calling the races, which is obviously a very, very good thing. I am fairly certain, go back and listen to it, that number eight, Prodigy Paradise, he was calling Prodigy Paradise. And it made me look down to make sure that I was not going crazy and that the horse's name wasn't actually Prodigy Paradise. It's not. It's Prodigy Paradise. And I'm guessing John Dooley hopes that that horse never runs uh, at racetracks that he calls ever again. But uh, Prodigy Paradise did not hit the board. Uh, and the race result, once again, 2-4-5-3. And actually, already official as they haven't even made their way off the turf course onto the main track to jog back toward the winner's circle. Over at Santa Anita, getting close to post time 
for the fourth race on today's card. Fourth race at Santa Anita, six furlongs on the turf. This is a $50,000 claiming event for fillies and mares, ages four and up. Field of five after the scratch of number one, and uh, eight to five right now on the board for number four, Phenom. Doug O'Neill, Frankie DeTore, the rider on this uh, five-year-old mare by Midnight Storm, who won impressively at the $25,000 level, sprinting at Del Mar during the Bing Crosby meet, claimed away from trainer Phil D'Amato, so goes from one good trainer to another, from D'Amato to O'Neill, and uh, bumped up from the $25,000 level to this $50,000 level this afternoon, and uh, public seems to think that's going to be no problem at all for this daughter of Midnight Storm, who is uh, shows speed more often than not, but she proved last time out that she does not absolutely have to have the lead to win, and maybe she's better when she doesn't have the lead. The funny thing is she's made the lead in six of her last ten starts. Now, she did go wire-to-wire in two of those races, but they were back in 2022. Um, Last time out, in fact, she's made the lead in seven of her last ten starts, and she's won two of those seven races. But coming from a length and a half off the pace last time out at odds of uh, of four to five, I will say this. She was stalking uh, a, a duo that was battling on the front end ahead of her. So if you're going to try to win from off the pace uh, and you're not used to it, that's probably the ideal point, uh, the ideal spot to be in. Just in behind the leaders, those two, you know, throwing punches, duking it out, doing all the dirty work, whatever kind of cliche you want to say, and setting it up for anyone to come and get them. And that's what Phenom did uh, last time out. as I mentioned, barn change from D'Amato to O'Neill, and you get a rider change from Juan Hernandez to Frankie DeTore, and DeTore is having a great start to his Santa Anita meet. DeTore, of course, uh, world-famous rider, one of the best who's done it over the last 25 years or so, and it was uh, more than rumored, uh, reported, and uh, that he was going to be retiring basically after the Breeders' Cup last year. And um, he's not ready to retire. He uh, talked it over with Agent Ron Anderson, who has represented him when he's been stateside in the past. And uh, he decided to keep on going, at least for a little bit, and uh, see if he can uh, find some mounts uh, in some of these big races coming up. I believe he's going to be riding in the Pegasus a week from tomorrow out at Gulfstream Park. And... uh, you know, one thing that has eluded Frankie is a uh, not only a Kentucky Derby win, but really, uh, you know, a, a series of live Kentucky Derby mounts. Listen, and no, uh, no slight to any of the other agents out there. A lot of really good agents out there, but Ron Anderson certainly one of the best, and uh, he's helped John Velasquez and Joel Rosario great, get some great mounts in these big races year after year. And I'm sure he is going to do whatever he can to help Frankie DeTore as well get a chance at this year's Kentucky Derby. But uh, that's then. This is now. A lot of people just worried about Frankie DeTore getting number four Phenom home. Late action coming in on the two. Alternate Rock. 
Another Doug O'Neill trainee, this one Antonio Frazu is aboard. Big drop in class from an optional $80,000 claimer into this $50,000 level. Last time he ran for 50 was two starts back at Santa Anita, and he won by two lengths. So he's properly spotted today. Pretty interesting field of four. Here's Frank Miramati. Quickly, stressed up close in the early going, takes second. But it is Phenom who opens up two. Stressed along the inside. Alternate Rock is next, inching a little bit closer. New collection at the back of the field. Down the back stretch, and Phenom on the outside, stressed at the rail. Just a half length back second. Two more to Alternate Rock with less than a half mile left to go. And new collection. Phenom, the leader, lets it out a notch, opens up a length and a half. Now it's two suddenly, and there goes Phenom. Phenom with a three length lead. Stress second. Alternate rock third. New collection is trailed throughout. Approaching the quarter pole and Phenom sails along with a four-length lead. Stressed in second. New collection trying to rally a bit on the outside with an eighth to run. It's been all Phenom. Phenom by five. No one's coming close to Phenom. And that's going to be three for Doug O'Neill. Phenom and Frankie DeTore. Just an afternoon workout. Wins by eight lengths. Second goes to New Collection, followed by Stressed and Alternate Rock. Unofficially, four, five, three, two in the fourth race at Santa Anita. Number four, Phenom, just toying with this field, covering the six furlongs in 108 and two. Opened up a big lead, top of the stretch, and uh, despite being hard ridden down the lane, nobody closing at all. Number four, Phenom, getting back to back wins in his career, or rather in her career. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we owe you prices at Golden Gate, at Fairgrounds. We'll get you paid at Santa Anita. More live racing to come. Betting with Bobby on HRRS. The future depends on teachers. Every day, teachers are shaping our tomorrows, starting their students on journeys that will change the course of history. Right now, in a classroom somewhere in the United States, there's a teacher inspiring a future scientist who will make preventing pandemics their life's work, sharpening the mind of an aspiring environmentalist who will help combat climate change, and generating possibilities for a student who will be the first in their family to graduate college. It all starts with teachers who meet challenges with creativity, who reinvent education for the future, who work towards a school system that lifts up every child regardless of race, income, or zip code, and to enable the full potential of our students, our communities, and our country. Explore a career that leaves a legacy you can be proud of. Shape the future. Teach. Learn more and receive free support at teach.org. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam! Ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. 
HRRN is live online. Go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime. Read our blogs, get the latest news, and see our entire broadcast schedule. It's all there at horseracingradio.net. And follow us on Twitter at HRRN and like our page on Facebook. Search Apple Podcasts for HRRN and download our latest shows. HRRN is home to racing's biggest events. And our home on the web is at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Now Labrador has taken over the lead here. Labrador by two lengths over being long shot Fat Cat. Then Dancing House, Room for Me, Princess Violet, and Jubilant Vision. The half mile in 46 seconds. It's Labrador with a three length lead. Dancing House is all out. Room for me is down towards the rail. And then Princess Violet. Laverdod with the lead and just the 16th to the finish. Dancing House is second as they come down for the finish. Here's this marvelous mare, Laverdod, to win her debut in 2016 and pick up career win number 16. That was John Imbrial on the call back in 2016. The Interborough. Stakes won by La Verdad. La Verdad, this year's Interborough is the feature tomorrow out at the Big A. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. Owe you some prices from just about everywhere. Taking a look right now first, though, uh, the third of the Kentucky Derby future book uh, wagers, not future book wagers, but future wagers is now underway. And... um, I believe it goes uh, until 6 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Uh, fierceness opened up as the 5-to-1 fa- uh, I'm sorry, uh, opened up as... What am I looking at here? Opened up as the favorite amongst the individual runners uh, at 8-to-1. He's been bet down to 5-to-1. Uh, who is getting action right now? Well, Sierra Leone, Chad Brown runner, who was very green in running second in the Remsen last time out. He's supposed to run uh, within the next uh, couple weeks. In fact, in two weeks, I believe, in the Risen Star. He was 30-1 to 1 on this morning line. He is 6-1 to 1 right now in the wagering. And the all-other three-year-olds category, um, which was 7-5 to 5 on the morning line, is actually up to five to one right now so uh, there's only thirty two thousand dollars bet in this pool as of now and obviously if you're looking to play in uh, this third of the Kentucky Derby future wager pools uh, you still have some time to do it um, but that's where we are right now those are the ones the the real movers and the shakers uh, shakers rather fierceness we're supposed to see him in the holy bull on February 3rd I think that's when we're supposed to see Sierra Leone uh, in the Risen Star. Of course, the big question mark, I guess, wh- whether you like him or not, the big question mark is what Nisos is going to do, and that is a Bob Baffert trainee who, as of now, would qualify under the all-other three-year-olds uh, campaign because he's not even eligible uh, to earn Derby points. He's going to have to move uh, if if they are looking at possibly going to the Kentucky Derby, and um, that's certainly not guaranteed, but if the owners of... Nisos or Muth or any of the other Bob Baffert runners are looking to go 
uh, toward this year's Kentucky Derby or for the Kentucky Oaks, uh, for that matter. Um, they're going to have to move to non-band trainers, which, uh, as far as I know, basically means somebody other than Bob Baffert. I guess technically George Navarro and Jason Service would not be allowed either. Uh, but I, I, I don't I don't 100% know if they're barred from C- CDI properties. One of them's just incarcerated, and the other one's probably about to be incarcerated. Um, but Nisos, I think, has to move at some point. He just worked uh, last Monday, apparently a, a pretty nice 112 and change for six furlongs. So I don't know what he's gearing up for. Uh, maybe the, the Bob Lewis, Santa Anita on February 3rd. Maybe the Southwest at Oaklawn on February 3rd. Um, no, no news yet. But as of now, if you, if you think Nisos is going to be moved and you think he's the horse, well, right now you're getting 5-1 to one on it as qualifying as the all others category. And by the way, uh, if and when Nisos or any of the other three-year-olds does move to an eligible trainer's barn, uh, then he or she would, in you know, subsequent Derby or Oaks future pools, uh, be single-ticket items. So uh, I, I don't. I mean, you, you're probably getting a lower price on them now with that all other three-year-old category than you would if they were a single-ticket item. But obviously, the closer you get to the race, the shorter the prices are going to be as well. But that's where we are as far as the Derby future pool goes. Derby future number three going on right now it opened at noon today and it goes till 6 p.m on sunday night uh let's get you some prices out at golden gate uh we need to get the prices for race number two uh before we get to the third race on the card and the second race was won by the favorite number three sahara sue a four-year-old bay filly by desert code out of the unusual heat mare madam heat owned by harris farms incorporated trained by sheldon paldanius and William Anton Georgie the third, the rider on Sahara Sioux, who paid three eighty two forty. No show wagering. Second two Divine Passage, three dollars to place. Third was number four Little Mischievous, the exact is seven forty, the try seven twenty. There was actually Superfecta wagering, three two four one, paid uh, the dollar ticket paid ten dollars and ninety cents. We will get you the prices for both Fairgrounds and Santa Anita. Uh, in just a few minutes. But uh, we want to get out to Golden Gate first because they're actually getting close to post time for the third race on their card. This is one mile on the synthetic main track, a conditioned $20,000 claiming event. Uh, Phillies and mares four and up that are non-winners of two races lifetime. They're in for a $20,000 tag field of six going to post in here. And you've got four of them that are all right. I mean, the, the shortest price is five to two. The longest price in the field is seven to one, which kind of tells you that nobody has a clue what they're doing, or it's just a very evenly matched group. The favorite at this point is number five, Kitten's Kid, uh, for Marcelino Trujillo and jockey Adrian Castellanos. Uh, Kitten's Kid coming off a wire-to-wire score, going a mile at the conditioned 12-5 level last time out and uh, bumps up to the condition $20,000 level today. Um, that 12-5 condition win does not count against eligibility uh, for this non-220 level race today. And because uh, any races 16 and below are not considered for eligibility uh, according to the conditions for this race. So Kitten's Kid, uh, despite that win last time out, is uh, certainly eligible 
to try her luck this afternoon. Uh, she was able to go wire to wire that day. It may be tougher to go wire to wire in this group. Number three, Pacific Zip uh, shows speed from time to time. The six, She's So Shiny. Have good, have fun with that one, Bill Downs. She's So Shiny uh, goes to the lead basically every time she runs. Um, I will say this about Kitten's Kid. She doesn't look like a front or nothing type. She looks like she's best when she makes the lead, but when she doesn't make the lead and she's just in behind the leader, she just kind of follows them all the way around the racetrack. But she's not fading into oblivion, you know, like, some horses do who are front or nothing types. So uh, Kitten's Kid may not be able to make the lead, and if she does, she may have to work harder than she really wants to do it if she really wants to get the job done. So if you're thinking that somebody can close in this race, well, maybe it's number one, uh, Gia, who ran fourth at this level last time out. She has no early speed. faster they go early on, the better chance she has. The four Smokum's Tap House, uh, fifth, in this similar type of race last time out. Uh, she's not really a deep closer. Tried to come from way off the pace last time out, and it didn't work out. She's more of a stalking type. Uh, so I, w- I would think that she would be, you know, within three or four lengths of the leaders early on, but still trying to close from mid-pack in this interesting third race out at Golden Gate. They are uh, approaching the starting gate in Albany, California. Boy, uh, it, it, it's hard. Listen. I've never been a giant player as far as Northern Cal racing goes. I grew up in Southern California. I didn't have anything against Northern California racing. I just, uh, when I was young, I didn't really follow it all that much. And, um, you know, the racing for the most part over the last, you know, 15 years or so, there's a lot of short fields. It's kind of cheaper races. And I'm not, you've heard it before, I'm not a gigantic fan at all of the synthetic racing just because I don't have very good success with it. So you put it all together, and Golden Gate isn't normally uh, a place that I would be playing. It's still very sad what's going on up there. And now uh, we've gotten to a point where in meetings, uh, basically Northern California and Southern California are almost pitted against each other. Instead instead of us kind of all trying to work together, uh, it's not working out that way at all. And in California, it's kind of becoming every man for himself. And the folks that are for Southern California racing kind of want Northern California racing to go away so they can get the uh, simulcast money uh, that would normally go to Northern California and hopefully get some of their horses down south. And the Northern Cal people, you know, know that Golden Gate's not continuing but want uh, racing to continue on basically a year-round basis, not only with the Cal Fairs, but either uh, at Sacramento or at Pleasanton. Um, any way you look at it, if you have a turf horse based in Northern California, I think you're SOL. I think they're going to have to go somewhere else uh, because there's not going to be turf racing other than a few weeks a year at Santa Rosa uh, when they run. And by the way, Santa Rosa is not an option, apparently, as far as running more than their fair meet uh, during the summer each year. So a whole lot of nonsense and headaches and really heartbreak going on as far as what's going on with racing, uh, not only California itself, but especially what's going on in Northern California. Uh, last few going in for this third race on the card at Golden Gate. And Bill Downs calling this final meet at Golden Gate. We'll have the call of this race. The gate. And they're off. 
Pacific Zip, but now it's Kitten's Kid, and she's so shiny. The outside, too, will be able to get over as they lean into that first turn. Pacific Zip is outside in third, and then it's Turiav. Then a couple more lengths to the back markers. Smokum's Tap House is to the outside of Gia, who's at the tail of the field as they get ready to angle on to the back stretch. And it's Kitten's Kid. And Adrian Castellanos on the engine has the lead by a length. She's so shiny. Headstrong wants to go on in second as the rain starts to fall here at Golden Gate Field. Specific Zip is in third and about three lengths off the lead. A length to Turiav is towards the inside in fourth. Smokum's Tap House. Pink Blinkers in fifth and seven lengths off the lead. And Gia's at the back of the pack. Less than a half mile to go. Kitten's Kid leads by just about a length. Let's call it a, a length and a quarter. She's so shiny outside in second. Now going after the leader. Pacific Zips in third and three and a half lengths off the lead. Turiev has five lengths to find and two and a half furlongs to do it. Smokum's Tamp House nudged upon for more. And then two lengths to Gia's at the tail of the field as they arrive at the top of the stretch. And it's Kitten's Kid and she's so shiny. Pacific Zip, White Blinkers stand side. It's Turiav is going to come on through towards the inside. One furlong to go. Kitten's Kid. Turiav. Turiav now striking the front. Pacific Zips on the outside in third. 16th to go. It's Turiav who's clear by three. And Turiav will prevail. Pacific Zip second. Kitten's Kid third. She's so shiny fourth. Unofficially, two, three, five, six in the third at Golden Gate. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Speaking of prices, Oya prices at fairgrounds for the seventh race, which was won by number two, Aspenite, a three-year-old Dark Bayer Brown Colt by Constitution out of the Candy Ride Mare Aspening, owned by Winchell Thoroughbreds, trained by Steve Asmus and Corey Lannery aboard Aspenite, who paid $5.280 and $2.40. Second, four, Classic Power, $3.63. Third, five, Gabara, 460 to show. Fourth, number three, Cows. The exact is $16.20. The try, $14.15. Dollar Super paid $57.50. Over at Fairgrounds, they're approaching the gate for the eighth race on the card. Good allowance optional claiming event here for four-year-olds and up. Non-winners of three other than or in for a claiming tag of $80,000. Six furlongs on the fast main track. Scratch numbers three and five. Big field of nine going to post. And the favorite is number eight, Corona Bolt for Brad Cox and Florent Giroux. Yes, that Corona Bolt. Corona Bolt, who at one point was thought to be on the Kentucky Derby Trail last year, was actually the favorite in the Southwest Stakes last year, and he really laid an egg that day. But his other four starts have all been uh, resulted in trips to the winner's circle. Uh, big speed figures for this gelded son of Bolt Doro has not run since winning the Lafayette Stakes during the spring meet at Keeneland last year, coming back for a barn in Brad Cox that obvious do, obviously does very well with this extended stay off, uh, layoff type runners. Uh, he's a horse that has gone wire to wire in three of his wins. Uh, he also won from about two lengths off the pace in his maiden victory, so expect him to be close to the pace if he's going to have a chance this afternoon, and uh, fans are looking for him to fire a big shot off the big layoff today, Corona Bolt uh, most likely going to use this race as a uh, catapult back into stakes competition with a good result today. Last few going in, just waiting on number 11, Surveillance, with James Graham aboard. We'll hand it off to John Dooley for the rest of the load and the call race eight at the fairgrounds. Four to five on Corona Bolt. 
First run since the Lafayette. They're in the gate. Uh, Pro-Occident popping open that gate there. Resetting it for Pro-Occident. Four to five on Corona Bolt. Making his first run since Keelan Spring. All set. And they're off. And chasing time broke slow. Cavod broke sharp. Along with Midnight Escape and toward the inside, there's Bridal Up to the Bar, who's dashed the lead for Jose Rodriguez. It's a long odds leader, Bridal Up to the Bar, in front of Cavode, and right there, Corona Bolt on the gold cap, running a close third. Pro Occident in fourth, Midnight Escape in fifth, Morello is sixth. Surveillance the gray on the far outside is running in seventh. Then comes Chasing Time, who looks to make headway with the rail. Six lengths off this leader as they head toward the far turn and beaten for pace. Strong Eagle trails. The opening quarter, 22.17 seconds. They have three furlongs to go. It's Cavode in a battle with Bridal up to the bar. Corona Bolt is three lengths in back of these. Cavode just leads Bridal up to the bar coming toward the quarter pole. Surveillance on the far outside with Morello. Pro-Occident toward the inside. Chasing time also up the inside. Then comes Midnight Escape as they come down toward the final furlong. Strong Eagle is last. Half mile in 45.30 seconds. It's Cavode. Cavode's in front. Pro-Occident moving up boldly between horses. Surveillance on the outside. Let's see Corona Bolt's dropped all the way back to be a joint last. They're close to the finish. It's Cavode for Mitchell Murrell. Cavode, Cavode, Cavode at 12 to 1 hold surveillance. Pro Occident was third, bottle up to the bar fourth. Then Morello from Chasing Time. We trail back to Strong Eagle with Midnight Escape and at 4 to 5, Corona Bolt in 109.95. Well, maybe not a step into stakes competition just yet for Corona Volt. It did not work out very well at all for him today as he was just awful this afternoon as the 4-5 to five favorite. But at 12-1, to one, Mitchell Merle and Cavode, seven horse in your programs, getting the job done for trainer Chris Hartman, who's off to a slow start this fairgrounds meet. Doing well at Oakland, not doing well at fairgrounds thus far. This is going to certainly help things. Been a long time between drinks at the well for Cavode. He had not won since 2022, but this five-year-old gelding does get the fifth win of his career, just holding off the late run of number 11 surveillance. 7-11-2-1, the top four finishers in the eighth race at fairgrounds. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Speaking of prices, we still owe you the prices over at Santa Anita for the fourth race on the card that was won very easily by number four, Phenom, five-year-old Dark Bayer Brown Mare by Midnight Storm out of the street boss mare, Like a Hurricane, owned by Michael Bello, Bam Bauer, or O'Neill, trained by Doug O'Neill, Frankie DeTori aboard Phenom, who paid 480 and 260 no show wagering. Second five, new collection, 420 to place. Third was number three, Stressed, the exacta 2360. The trifecta paid $50.80. As we came out of our last break, we heard the stretch run of the ni- uh, rather than 19, the 2016 edition of the Interborough Stakes. This is a stake race that's run at Aqueduct each year, and it's uh, a race that's been around, I believe, since the early 1920s or so. And there have been some nice fillies and mares that have won this race. I think Extra Heat won the race about 20 years ago. I know Nicole H. won it about three years in a row uh, in the uh, around 2012, 2013, something like that. Ta Wee, who was uh, before my time as a racing fan, I know won the race 
uh, a couple of years. But uh, La Verdad was a very nice filly in her own right. I believe that La Verdad did something that you don't normally see, uh, and that is win the Eclipse Award as the champion female sprinter without actually winning the Breeders' Cup filly and mare sprint. I think she was second in the Philly and Mare Sprint. But uh, overall, in 2015, she uh, had won, I think, five stakes, four or five stakes, uh, including, um, and I'm sorry, and, and uh, the inner borough she won uh, in the final start of her career um, back in 2016. Overall, she won 16 races uh, from 25 career starts and made over one5 million dollars in her career this year's edition of the interborough is uh, tomorrow's feature out at aqueduct and uh pretty evenly matched field it's a fun version of the interborough this year and uh, a real handicapping puzzle i don't know who bob is going to pick in the race as we don't discuss these things before we do the amwager weekend stakes preview but i can tell you that i am trying to beat the favorites in the Interborough, and it's not that I have knocks on the favorites; it's that I think the race is so evenly matched. I think I can make a case for a, a, a price, a price runner in there who's, in my mind, every bit as good as the horses who are going to be favored in the race. So we will talk about the Interborough as well as all six of tomorrow's stakes at the fairgrounds. Uh, some nice races at uh, down at Laurel as well. Stakes races at uh, Santa Anita this weekend. Uh, all part of the M Wager Weekend Stakes Preview coming up, uh, oh, less than 30 minutes from now, 28 minutes till the top of the hour. Bob and I take a get-together with for the M Wager Weekend Stakes Preview every Friday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, uh, over at Santa Anita, they are about four minutes away from post time for the fifth race on their Friday card, uh, Maiden Calbred Maiden Phillies and Mares on display here in for a claiming price of $50,000. They're going to sprint six and a half furlongs on the fast main track, a field of six going to post in this race. Number two, Elton Sings Another is seven to five on the board from Mark Glatt and Antonio Frazu. Elton Sings Another has been making some enemies of late. She has been favored in each of her last two starts, ran third back in October at odds of eight to five, ran third back in November at odds of 9 to 5 and now you got to take 7 to 5 on her but speed figure wise she certainly looks like one of the ones in this race um there are some question marks in here uh one of the questions would be number 5 Blazing Bardot who is 8 to 1 on the board we have not seen Blazing Bardot since December of 2022 uh but when she ran in December of 2022 she ran a race that would probably be good enough to beat this field I don't know what happened to her after that race, that she's been gone for almost a year. She has made a barn change, um, goes from one barn that doesn't run money to another barn that just doesn't win a whole lot. Um, and I don't know what that means as far as getting this one ready to roll off a more than year-long layoff. Uh, you've got number six, Riders Candy, who did not run very well when she tried long on the turf last time out, but her previous tries short on dirt uh, we're good enough speed figure-wise to at least give her a chance, and she's 6-1 to one right now. Uh, 0 for 13, by the way, on her career, but does have a chance today, and we've already seen an 0 for 14 shot get the job done today at Santa Anita. Number one, Warren's Paradise is the real question mark, I think, 
and she seems to make the most sense. Speed figure-wise, she's the one to beat. But basically, all of her recent races, in fact, her last seven starts, have all been two turns on turf. And they're all decent. Um, She's only tried dirt once in her career. It was her debut. She broke from the rail. She broke slow, like you expect a lot of first-timers from the rail to do. And she closed from ninth to finish fourth in a maiden special weight race at Del Mar in the middle of 2022. And she was only beaten five and a half or six lengths by a nice filly named Chismosa, who, by the way, came back and won again in her very next start. Fun Money was also in that race. So pretty highly rated state-bred maiden special weight event that Warren's Paradise comes out of. Well, came out of a long time ago. God, if you go with the theory that she's just a better filly now than she was then, she's got to be okay here. She's 9-5. to five. I think I'd rather have 9-5 to five on her than 8-5 to five on Elton Sings Another. Neither one springs a whole lot of, you know, inspires a whole lot of confidence here. But uh, Warren's Paradise, there's reasons to think uh, that she could be better than this field. Now, I don't love the fact that she's broken from the rail in the past and was slow. Maybe give her the benefit of the doubt that that was her career debut and maybe she just didn't really know what she was doing. And that's what happens a lot of times with first-time starters. It seems like it happens with first-time starters from the rail for everyone except maybe Wesley Ward and Bob Baffert. Their first-time starters from the rail, they break like a shot and you never see them again. Uh, every, all other people, first-time starters, you know, this is generalization. Obviously, that's not true. Not They don't all break like a shot and go. And not everyone else's first-time starters from the rail break slow. It just seems like that happens. <laughs> okay, well, they are uh, approaching the starting gate for the fifth race at Santa Anita. We uh, still owe you some prices from both Golden Gate and from Fairgrounds. I'm not sure we should be able to get you one more race at Fairgrounds. I'm not really sure we're going to be able to get you any more at Golden Gate. They're running behind schedule at Golden Gate, but we should be able to get one more at the fairgrounds. They're in the paddock about 15 minutes away from Pud. It's going to be real close. If they run on time, we can get you the ninth race at fairgrounds, but that's a big if there. Uh, let's see if they get to the gate on time down in New Orleans. Uh, speaking of getting to the gate on time, they are not doing that at Santa Anita, and uh, maybe they're just giving people a chance to get their late pick four wagers in as the 50-cent late pick four starts in this fifth race. I'm looking forward to getting back out to Santa Anita. Been to Santa Anita hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times in my life, Uh, not only as a fan and growing up in Southern California, getting back there over the years, but uh, working for uh, different trainers many, many years ago and actually living in the barn area at Santa Anita. I'm, I'm happy not to be doing that anymore. Those, uh, at least back then in the late 80s, uh, the the dorm rooms at Santa Anita were not awesome. I'm, I'm guessing they're a little bit better now. But I'm looking forward to getting to Santa Anita, as it turns out, on uh, Saturday, March 2nd for Big Cap Day. It was not, I'm not specifically going there for that. I'm actually going to California to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers in concert and uh, taking my daughter with me, and I asked her what she wanted to do, and she wants to go see Venice Beach and things like that. And I said, well, I wonder if, you know, what's going on to Santa Anita that day. And I looked at the steak schedule that's uh, easily 
uh, findable on the Blood Horse website. And uh, lo and behold, it's Big Cap Day, Saturday, March 2nd. They've got the San Felipe and the San Anita Handicap and two or three other stakes. And as I, uh, it, para- I'm paraphrasing this, but I said to my daughter, I said, "Hun, um, unless there's something you really, really want to do that afternoon, uh, we're going to the track. And uh, she's very happy with going to the track. So I'm, I get to go to Big Cap Day. It's not, I'm guessing it's not going to be quite the same as when, like, Precisionist and Grainton and those kind of horses were running in the Big Cap. But the Big Cap is still going to be a fun day. I'm going to see some fun racing and uh, see a uh, major race for three-year-olds en route to the Santa Anita Derby and perhaps the Kentucky Derby with the San Felipe Stakes that day. But that is then, and then is about six weeks away. This is now, middle of January still. A lot can happen between now and then. And uh, those of us who are involved wagering-wise in this fifth race don't care what happens then. We're worried about what happens now. And uh, these cow-bred maiden fillies and mares are starting the loading process for this fifth race on the card at the Great Race Place, where number one, Warren's Paradise, number two, Elton sings another vying for favoritism. Here's Frank Miramati. And they're off. Elton sings another and Riders Candy. Blazing Bardot in between them is up close too. Here's Warren's Paradise down at the rail. Plum Creek in the green in between rivals and Jazzy Boo in that group too. So it's a compact field. Three lengths covers them. Five furlongs to run. Elton sings another. Now spurts clear to lead it by two. Warren's Paradise at the rail. Jazzy Boo alongside. Riders Candy widest of all. Blazing Bardot is just inside of her. And at the back of the field now, Plum Creek just went by Blazing Bardot. Three-eighths to run. Elton sings another. Maintains a one-length lead. Riders Candy and Jazzy Boo down at the rail. Warren's Paradise fourth. Three lengths off the lead. Another two back to Plum Creek and Blazing Bardot. Elton sings another cruising along turning for home opens up three without being asked for much and elton sings another is dominating warren's paradise and riders candy battling to complete the exacta it's a one-horse race elton sings another and another win for antonio fraysu elton sings another trounces them riders candy warren's paradise blazing bardot Unofficially, two, six, one, five in the fifth race at Santa Anita. You heard it there in the call from Frank Miramati, a one-horse race down the line, and that was the Philly. Elton sings another program number two. Mark Lapp, the trainer, Antonio Fraysu, the rider, one sixteen and two, the final time for the six and a half furlongs, and Elton sings another, gets the job done at four to five, really got hammered in the last minute or two. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will get you paid at both Golden Gate and Fairgrounds. We'll get you paid at Santa Anita as well. Might be able to get you one more Fairgrounds race as well. We'll talk about some more races coming up this week and give you some more news from around the country. Betting with Bobby on HRRN. 
It's time to get ready for the 2024 Thoroughbred season at Woodbine Racetrack, the number one turf track in North America. Season runs from April to December with over 62 million in purses with an industry-leading stakes program including two Canadian classics. The Grade 1 Million Dollar Rico Woodbine Mile and the Million Dollar King's Plate. Woodbine offers top safety rated racing and training services, plus world-class facilities. Make Woodbine your home turf this season. Learn more at woodbine.com. My battle buddies and I attended the NHL Stadium Series at Yankee Stadium. We had never been there before, and two of us had never seen a hockey game. Man, we had the time of our lives. It was great therapy. Ventix, we can't thank you enough. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, motorsports, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can help. We can give our veterans a special event where they too can create their own cherished memories. Find out how by visiting www.vettix.org. That's www.vettix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Trainer Talk, presented by Phasing Tipton. Please join me in welcoming Hall of Fame trainer Todd Fletcher. Hall of Fame trainer Nick Zito on Trainer Talk. Welcome Hall of Famer Bob Baffert to the program. Hall of Fame trainer Shug McGahee, nice enough to spend some time with us. Hall of Fame trainer Bill Mott here on Trainer Talk. Dual Hall of Fame trainer Mark Cassie. Trainer Talk, the biggest names in horse racing. Wednesdays, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. And now they throw it down at the top of the stretch. It is happy and you know it in Calypso Katie. Astra going to join the party three wide. She still has two and a half lengths to make up. Polar and Jigger next and they head to the top of the stretch in the Beverly Hills. It is happy and you know it trying to retain her crown. Calypso Katie here comes Astra with giant strides and Kent DeSormo has Astra in gear and that gear is overdrive. Look at Astra blow by and happy and you know it has nothing to say about it. Astra runs away and she crushes. Oh my. That was the voice of Vic Stauffer back in 2001 at Hollywood Park. The Beverly Hills Handicap won by Astra. And Astra has a stake named in her honor this Sunday out at Santa Anita. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. As we get closer and closer to this week's edition of the Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview, which is just 15 minutes away. We owe you some prices from everywhere. So we're going to start down at Golden Gate, where the third race on the card was won by number two, Turioff. Four-year-old chestnut filly by Lakerville out of the aftermarket mare. Uh, Shamanist Surprise, owned by Clint Roberts, trained by Isidro Tamayo. Evan Roman, the winning rider on Turioff, who paid $15.46 and $3.40. 
Second was number three, Pacific Zip, 640-360. Third, five, Kitten's Kid, 240 to show. Fourth, number six, She's So Shiny. Exacta 6560, the try $40.40, Dollar Super $290.80. Over at Fairgrounds, results of their eighth race went official. The winner, seven, Cavode. Cavode, a five-year-old chestnut gelding by Lee out of the Pulpit Mare Weekend Connection, owned by James Rogers and Michael Robinson. Chris Hartman, the trainer. Mitchell Merle, the rider on Cavode who paid 26.20, and 5.20. Second, 11, Surveillance, 5.80, Third, two, Pro-Occident, $3 to show. And fourth was number one, Bridal Up to the Bar. Exacta, 147.40, the try, 121.65, the dollar super, $1,666.70. Over at Santa Anita, fifth race, just run and official. The winner, two, Elton Sings Another. Four-year-old Bay Philly by I'll Have Another. Out of the Song and a Prayer Mayor, Elton in a Dress, owned by Fosness or Walker, trained by Mark Latt, Antonio Fresu with the winning ride. Elton sings another 360-220-210. Second six, Riders Candy, 380-220. Third one, Warren's Paradise, 240 to show. Fourth number five, Blazing Bardot. The exact a 940, the try $17, the dollar super paid $28.80. They're coming onto the track right now, supposedly four minutes away from post time for the ninth race at Fairgrounds. Uh, one mile on the main track, which is a two-turn mile. These are Louisiana-bred maiden three-year-olds going that two-turn mile. Scratch number five, star, star, star. Field of nine here, slight favoritism right now going to the seven. Court Jester, nine to five on the board for Brett Calhoun. And Corey Lannery, Court Jester, running third, going six furlongs in his most recent start. Uh, he's by Classic Empire out of an into mischief mare. I wouldn't think that stretching out to a mile would be a big imposition uh, for Court Jester, but uh, uh, certainly speed figure-wise, his last race of the ones who have run makes him look like he'd very, be very tough to beat in this spot. So we'll keep an eye on this ninth race at Fairgrounds and see if they actually get to the gate on time and we can get uh, to that race. As we came out of the last break, we heard the stretch run of the 2001 edition of the Beverly Hills Handicap, a grade one event that was won by Astra. Astra won 11 of her 16 career starts for owner Alan Paulson, and uh, I guess it was the Alan Paulson Trust at the end, and uh, trainer Laura Desaru made over $1.3 million in her career, just a, a real win machine, and with the exception of one uh, poor effort in the Beverly D, uh, which came after that win in the Beverly Hills Handicap. She really was in or around the money every time she went to the races. She was a really, really nice filly, and it's nice that they have a race named in her honor. Um, talked about so many of the races that went away at Hollywood Park, uh, and thankfully uh, our friends at both Del Mar and San Anita have a lot of the times taken over some of these races, and a few of them have gone to Los Alamitos as well, where they have kind of kept the traditions and a lot of times kept the names of those big stakes at, uh, that were run at Hollywood Park. The Beverly Hills Handicap, um, the race continues, but the name was changed and the conditions were changed. Uh, the race is, was run at Hollywood Park ever since the late 1960s, I believe, and uh, uh, there were some fantastic fillies that won the race, like Estrapod, who was a great filly for Charlie Whittingham, Royal Heroin, a really nice one that John Gosden trained back when he was based in Southern California. I think Flawlessly won the race 
uh, a couple years ago, wind, uh, a couple years in a row, rather. Windsharp was a really nice filly for Wally DeLossi. Astro run the race uh, both in 2001 and 2002. Megahertz was a nice filly in her own right. But uh, it, the race is now known as the Red Carpet Stakes. Uh, and it's run at Del Mar. It's still a graded race. It's not a mile and a quarter anymore, or it was a mile and an eighth for many years at Hollywood Park. It kind of changed. It started off, I think, as a, as a real long race, one of those uh, mile and three-eighths races. Then it went down to a mile and an eighth when it was really in its heyday. Uh, they moved it up to a mile and a quarter for the most part until Hollywood Park went away. And now with the change to the red carpet stakes, it's now at a mile and three-eighths on the turf and there have been some nice fillies that have won the race since it's been known as the red carpet but certainly none that rival some of those names that won it uh back when it was a uh you know a, a grade one type of race um known as the beverly hills but uh yeah it, it's nice that the i i guess technically the race is still run although it's a uh, completely different kind of race right now but uh astro was a good one and she got it done in back-to-back years in the Beverly Hills Handicap, a race formerly run at Hollywood Park. All right, uh, they are inching toward the starting gate for this ninth and final on the card at Fairgrounds. Uh, as they go toward the gate, more news in case you hadn't heard. Um, several tracks are clo- have decided to cancel racing this weekend. Turfway not running tonight or tomorrow. Oaklawn didn't run today. They're not running tomorrow or Sunday. Laurel didn't run today. They are supposed to run tomorrow. And Charlestown not running tonight. The weather is just atrocious in all of those places. And the track is frozen, by the way, at Oaklawn Park. Oaklawn themselves has already told us that the fifth season stakes, which was supposed to be run tomorrow, will actually be now run next Saturday. And the Southwest, the King Cotton, the Martha Washington that were all supposed to be next Saturday are going to be run the following Saturday on February the 3rd, and I think the Bayacoa, which probably I think was supposed to be February the 3rd, is now going to be the day before, on Friday, February 2nd. So uh, if you're making plans to either go to Oaklawn or to watch and wager on some of those big races, um, first of all, the best thing to do is check the stakes calendar that's offered for free on the blood horse website just go to bloodhorse.com and click under racing and you'll see uh stakes calendar there and it's fantastic they give you a list every day not only in this country but you know in asia and in europe as well of the the stakes that are going on every all the all the group or graded stakes in in countries that are not the u.s and every stake that's run in north america whether it's here in the states or up in up in Canada, wherever. So it's, it's a great resource. But yeah, uh, they have shuffled the deck, as it were, to uh, a lot. Because not only at Oakland Park, not only are they not able to race for several days, they're not able to train on the track for several days. I think they've got, I think they've, they're going to miss like five days of training and four days of racing. So uh, we're getting toward the end of the show. We're not going to be able to bring you prices for the ninth at fairgrounds, but they're almost all in. After this race, uh, we're going to have to take a little bit of a break, I believe, before we head into our Amwager Weekend Stakes preview. But we're all about live racing here, so if we can bring you the entirety of this ninth at fairgrounds, we will. And they're all in the gate now. At noon central for the first of 13. Last of the day, all in. And they're off. Cypress goal broke outward. 
Here's gamer Nate with for the inside Cole Cole Beer, Court Jester in the purple cap, along with Captivating Star, and after breaking Howard, Cypress Gold is wide as they enter the first turn. It's Cole Cole Beer. Cole Cole Beer to the front here for Aubrey Green, leading at 19 to 1 with six furlongs to go from the first line finish. It's Cole Cole Beer. Who leads by a length and a half to Gamer Nate, who's vying for second with Bitsy Star. Court Jester's running in fourth. Toward the inside is Regatta Bay, and Captivating Star is racing wide, making this backstretch run. Cypress Gold is covering a lot of ground. Toward the inside comes Razor Crest, and the first time starter, Ace Trails, the maiden mile here in the Friday finale. Cole Cole Beer, the quarter and 23.70 seconds. It's Cole Cole Beer who leads a length and a half to Gamer Nate stays in that second spot from Court Jester with Bitsy Star. Regatta Bay being asked to pick up now from fifth. Razorcrest is sixth. Then comes Captivating Star in seventh. Cypress Gold is put to pressure on the front side, and Ace remains last. The half mile in 49.78 seconds with a quarter to go. And it's Cole Cole Beer, Gamer Nate on the outside for Jareth Loveberry. It's Gamer Nate who's come past Cole Cole Beer, Court Jester, and uh, Regatta Bay straightens away in fourth. Well clear. They turn for home into the short stretch after three quarters and one minute 13.35 seconds. Gamer Nate leads one for long to go. Court Jester battles hard on the outside. Gamer Nate, Court Jester with even terms. Cole Colbeer third, Regatta Bay fourth, and then well back to Razorcrest in fifth. They're coming up toward the line, and it's Gamer Nate and Court Jester. Court Jester, Gamer Nate in that first line photo, then Regatta Bay and Cole Colbeer, and this quartet was well clear. Real tight on the line there. Up and down finish between the six gamer Nate and number seven court Jester. Hard to tell with that low camera angle and the shorter stretch in this one mile affair at fairgrounds. But very tight on the line. Sit nine to two the final price on number six gamer Nate. Even money the price on number seven court Jester. Those two ding donging down to the line. Really hard to tell who won the photo. We know that number three, Regatta Bay, finished third. Number two, Cole. Cole Beer was fourth. You'll have to go and check those results yourself. As you can hear our music, we're not going to be able to get you the results or the prices. But it's been a fun day today on Betting with Bobby. Hope everyone uh, made a little bit of money. And if not, uh, hope we entertained you for the last couple of hours. For our producer, Lee Delapina, I'm Bobby Newman. That's the end of Betting with Bobby. Stick around, though. Three minutes from now. Bob Nastanovitz joins me for the Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview. We've got a dozen races from around the country we're going to talk about tonight, including all six of those big stakes tomorrow on that huge card down at the fairgrounds. Stick around. The Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview is coming up next.